folks, and welcome to another edition of the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burse, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I are talking everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast feed. It is, I, I believe, is that that's what it's called? The, the A, to Z, A to Z Sports Podcast feed, right? Um, I assume it's the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. So A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I was sorry. I I had it. I had just feed and I felt I felt like that's not exactly right, is it? The A to Z Sports Podcast Network and go subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. That's our new feed where you're going to get the the full set of A to Z Sports Podcast, which is uh, you got Bucks 615 Sessions. Titans podcast, Predators podcast, our podcast. So if you are a Tennessee sports fan, uh, a fan of the entire state of sports, we got podcasts for all of it. Anything you might want, but just at the A to Z Sports Network podcast feed, iTunes, Spotify, go get it right there. And our shows drop every Monday. So uh, if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Uh, I am at Charlie underscore Burroughs on Twitter, at Zach TNT on Twitter, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com. Slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything Zach writes. Today's podcast is presented by TennesseeTickets.com, the place you should trust with any of your ticket purchases, balls, home, and away games, concerts at your favorite venues, all with zero hidden fees at checkout, unlike the other sites, and save another $10 off of uh, every ticket purchase with promo code AZ10AZ10. And I, I will say this. Good news this week, potentially like concerts and different things coming back. I saw the uh, the comedy zanies, the the comedy uh, bar in Nashville is having shows again. Um, I don't I don't think they have a ticket system like a normal, you know, comedy show. But maybe I think you just show up and you have to like buy drinks and things. But uh, they're doing shows again. I've been seeing these drive up shows are becoming a thing. Uh, place up in Maryville around here was doing some drive-up concerts, so tickets coming back very soon, and also tickets to Tennessee uh, sporting o- events will be here soon enough. Hopefully, we'll see what happens, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But first things first, happening right now as we are recording this on Sunday night, Tennessee in the national championship, Coach Doug's playing Virginia Tech, and choking pretty badly so far down 28 21 with a minute left in the third quarter can he come back can he win the national title we'll see zach what are your thoughts so far about the national championship and the way coach Doug's has performed uh, i mean it wouldn't be a tennessee championship game if it wasn't some drama involved um he looked like he was done through an interception down two scores but got the ball back one possession game i mean we've seen crazier things it was a clutch stop I, I will say he's he's regrouping right now. Just scored a touchdown, twenty eight twenty one. A minute left in the third. Um, it's been a pretty sad performance. There's no doubt about that. Virginia Tech is pretty good. Their offense has been ripping Tennessee to shreds, um, and it it's been a, a roller coaster. the The SEC championship went pretty well, but he's I will say he's been in this position before, and and come back to win. So. But ha- can you do it in the national championship? All eyes on you. How many? Let's see. 116? 100, 
116,000 people watching right now. Have you been have you been watching the comments over here? They're no, scrolling not really. so fast, but there's a lot of uh the most popular one I've seen there was Fraud Cat. <laughs> Everybody calling him <laughs> Fraud Cat for his defensive efforts. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I guess, should we give, surely everybody kind of knows, ooh, to sack. I want to be like Mike Keith. Sack! <laughs> yes, that gets me hyped. Uh, if you don't know what we are talking about, Barstool Sports' big cat uh, playing NCAA 14, the football video game, uh, has Tennessee, playing as Tennessee for the 2017 season, right? Um Tennessee's in the national championship playing Virginia Tech, the BCS national championship. Um, it's funny to see that again. The the well, I was gonna say the good old days. The BCS kind of sucked, but um, fun fun nonetheless. I guess we'll we can just sort of talk about that as it comes. It's about to be fourth quarter, twenty seconds left in the third. But that's that's been a fun. Honestly, I I would bet this is about to wrap up. I as much. As many jokes as I've made about it on social media and different things, uh, I really I would not be surprised or mind all that much if Big Cat chooses another team. This has been a fun little ride. Uh, I will be sad to see it come to an end. I would bet that he he chooses to go elsewhere, but we'll see. I think so too. I mean, after a whole season, it kind of runs its course, but he's kind of in this weird situation where I don't think he's going to go to another program and get nearly as much engagement as he's had with the Tennessee fan base. Anywhere from here will be a letdown almost certainly. See, I, I have wondered cause I, obviously I think, uh, I heard some interviews with big cat. Just almost knocked my equipment over here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard some interviews with him since all of this has been going on and he definitely a huge consideration of what he uh, in the decision he made to go with Tennessee was um, that he tweeted about potentially choosing Tennessee as a coaching option and Tennessee's official social media accounts were the first to reach out to him and that had a big impact on it. Um, and so, yeah, it would not surprise me if just with how absolutely rabid and crazy Tennessee's fan base is on social media, that, Who that, he, that he does not get this kind of hype anywhere else who else would come close do you think off the top of your head there there are some others that are pretty crazy your alabama's pretty nuts i i will absolutely say that but in terms of size and ferocity i mean alabama's the closest i could probably think of um Florida State, Florida State, they're pretty adamant. Yeah. I, I've gotten, I've drawn the ire of Florida State Twitter before. It's pretty rough, but otherwise, is there any ah, of the West Coast schools? Anybody, Texas, no, maybe Oklahoma, no any of them? Because I did, I did see him say that if Wisconsin is an option that he can choose in this, that that would be kind of the next school potentially. Just in one of these live streams, I think he said that, and so. um I mean, Wisconsin, super hype, a great big, big 10 college football atmosphere. You have the, between the third and the fourth quarter, the jump around and all that stuff. I mean, it's a great college football tradition in terms of social media and, and the crazy hype and really the advertisement that you would get uh, on social media is just not going to be the, the same. Um, but pff, looks like the national championship is, not going to belong. It won't be clad in orange and white this year. 
35-21. Tennessee is down five minutes left. This this would be a hell of a comeback, I would say that much. At this point, that's that's what we're talking about. Not even a great win, but a great comeback. No, yeah. One of my favorite things about this is seeing everybody trying to explain to him how to play defense on a weekly basis, <laughs> giving him tips and, and different strategies because he's so terrible at it. He's really bad. And I've seen the other dudes that are in that. See, I, I don't follow uh, Barstool much except for their hockey stuff. I follow the Spit and Chicklets guy. So I like I know all of them, but all these dudes that are in Big Cat's like ecosystem, he plays with a set of like three or four guys um, like live where they sit with him in a room and they've been playing. I have, I don't know who they are um, except for Brandon Walker because he used to do sec stuff. Like I literally, I like me and him have connected to before, um, but he's, he's the only one I know. And I don't even know what he does there. Like, I don't know his show or anything, but point being, they actually, they sat around and they were like, this is what you need to do on defense and do this and this and this. They had actual strategy for him. Those dudes are not here for this game. So I wonder if he's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, he's kind of out there on his own. Yeah. It's a, a situation. I'm try, trying to think like who's where, where the head coach is really representative, but the, the coordinators are really the backbone. Like what situation? Oh, no, four, Clemson? four interceptions. I feel like yeah, Clemson's oh, that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got your, Brent where they were, yeah. Brent Venables running that defense and he just, I mean, it's, it's, it's Brent Venables on that defense, you know. And it's still uh, the Chad Morris offense, even though he's been gone for five years. Yeah, I, I think that maybe a situation like that where those guys were propping Big Cat up, uh, they had better, better knowledge of the, <laughs> the game of football. Um, this is sad. This, I, I don't want to say classic Tennessee because the last time Tennessee played in a, in a national championship game, they won. But to get to the big game and blow it is, I get. I guess you. This is much more akin to Tennessee basketball last couple of years, making the SEC championship game and losing both to two if, different opponents. If he does lose this game, which I, you know, I think he's going to, I think that kind of makes it more likely that he'll stick with Tennessee another year to try to maybe recapture the essence of of what made it so popular. Maybe people will still follow because he didn't win it. If he can, get, yeah, get get yourself a better I mean, defense because the defense has just been oh look at that so abysmal. Not only is Tennessee going to lose, Tennessee's going to get blown out of this game. And in, in front of a hundred and twenty six thousand people right now, that just blows my mind. Sad. I wonder if Virginia Tech's account will will gloat if they win this game. Their Twitter account. I mean, they're one. That you know, we we had Georgia say, "Oh, well, we'll just take the last time we played in real life when when he beat Georgia on this game." Uh, I don't think Virginia Tech probably wants to tweet out something like that. Oh, to get a Battle of Bristol uh, <laughs> tweet uh, shot yeah. back at him. A classic. What was that? What forty forty something to twenty they were up, one? Tennessee won that game, and they were up fourteen to nothing. Virginia Tech was in that game. Yeah, probably. they blew it. They blew that game. Uh, so this down 21 with four minutes left, it would be barring a miracle. Tennessee will not be moving on. So I guess uh, we, we maybe could move on in, in yeah. subject matter. Also, we'll come back if it, if it comes back around, if we see some things change, but there has been some Tennessee news this week and, and some pretty interesting stuff. Obviously the, the protests around uh, the black lives matter movement and, and the death of George Floyd have continued to rage on all around the United States, including in Knoxville. 
Tennessee. Tennessee, we we spoke on the last podcast about how the uh, the athletic department as a united unit made a statement. Um, and, and we, we said that we liked the way that they did that to have a united message that, that you could basically just have every coach get behind. You don't have different coaches making different statements and, uh, you know, any, anything bad that could potentially come from that PR wise. Uh, I think they handled it well, but this five interceptions, ah, man. Yeah. This one's over. I, I might have to, just so we don't get distracted. Might have to just flip that off. Anywho, I, I apologize for cutting in because this is very t- serious subject matter. Um, this week, the the protest continued in Knoxville. A pretty big protest, I guess. What was it? Friday? Friday night, mm-hmm, I believe, yeah. in Knoxville. And a whole set of Tennessee football players, including Brian Maurer, Jared Garantano, Trey Smith, Kron Calvert, uh, all all showed up, were, were in attendance. But also in attendance was... Jeremy Pruitt and they all well the the guys that we specifically saw speak were Trey Smith and Kieran Calvert uh, and then uh, Jeremy Pruitt also spoke at a at a gathering down in Market Square in downtown Knoxville I just per- personally looking at this I thought it was uh, really a, a great representation uh, of of the guys on this team when you saw them speak specifically Trey and Kieran because that's those are just the speeches I see. I, I saw it. I didn't see anyone else speak uh, at that event. They're very, very cogent, very well thought out. I was very impressed. I, I tweeted that I was very happy to just see them leading by example. I thought it was really cool. Um, and then uh, Coach Pruitt also spoke. I, I don't know. Do you have uh, what any of those guys, what they said there in front of you? If you do, if, if you don't, I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot there. Um, but what what did you think about the that that whole event? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think there's a better spokesperson for Tennessee football right now than Trey Smith in general. I mean, he's just such a great kid. He, he's from Tennessee. He's been through so much. Um, I always enjoy hearing him talk, no matter what he's talking about. So it was, it was great to see him speak. But then to see Pruitt there, the players, I think there's about ten Tennessee players that, that showed up, um, and Derek Ansley was there as well, and they didn't know that Pruitt was coming. It wasn't like this coordinated plan to send players and coach and staff for some publicity stunt. Now, obviously it was documented and they, they did decide to document it via their social media, but it wasn't this, like I said, this coordinated effort to see Pruitt there. It was just because he felt like it's what he needed to do for his players. It's where he needed to be. It wasn't because somebody told him, this is where you need to be. This is what you need to do. It was just very genuine, which is something we've seen from Pruitt this whole time. I mean, he's invested in these players' lives as people before football players. And I think this really shows that. And, and I was, I was happy to see it. Absolutely. I, I was too. Um, Cause it was, as I said, I really appreciated the, the players kind of leading by example, but, but also just Pruitt showing that he is, he's the right leader for, for these guys. I think we've had discussions the last few weeks about kind of reflecting back on the initial criticism of Pruitt that maybe he wasn't prepared to be the quote unquote CEO of a team. And I think he just continues to show that he actually, he really, he really was. And he's really embraced that, that role and has been coming through um, and just continuing to get better really. And I think major proof of that 
came after those the protests happened and and, and everybody spoke and all um and uh there there were some people on social media some tennessee fans who were saying you know i'm really disappointed it obviously it's a very divisive topic and we're we'll, we're well aware of that but we prefaced it last week this is not going to be some socio-political giant discussion if you want that goes go somewhere else um but there are tennessee fans that um, I, I would say, unsurprisingly, we're not happy that Pruitt was there and they voiced their opinion, said, I'm not getting my season tickets anymore. You've lost a fan, things like that. And to one of those tweets, I saw Darrell Middleton, defensive lineman for Tennessee. He responded like this uh, to to someone who said they they will be canceling their season tickets because Pruitt was at the, uh, the BLM protest. Uh, Darrell Middleton said in response, man, this is crazy, uh, but I am praying for you. This man loves dearly, no matter the color. He doesn't even have to know you and will fight for you. He did what was right, and he stood up like a leader, father, coach should have. I can't believe what I'm reading. Hashtag coaches stand for justice. If, if that's not a testament to what these dudes think about Pruitt and his leadership and, and him as their coach. And I mean, Darrell Middleton kind of says it here as a father figure to a lot of these guys. I, I, I don't know what does that's incredible praise and probably maybe the most impressive thing I've read about Pruitt since he started being the coach at Tennessee, you know, take, take away the, the six straight wins and all that. That's, that's awesome. But this is off the field being a leader of men uh, and it's it's showing that he he really has it, it seems so far. And uh, it's, it's awesome to see. It reminds me of the 2017 national championship game. Um, the camera was on Pruitt a lot that game. He was you know, he was Alabama's defensive coordinator for that game. And at the end of the game, one of the first thing or the first thing he did, uh, when Alabama won the game against Georgia, he walked across the field and was embracing the Georgia players that he recruited. I mean, he wasn't celebrating. He went straight to those guys that, that he had recruited, that he had known for such a long time. And that was what was important to him in that moment more than anything, was talking to them, checking on them, because he knew how upset they were, how much they, how hard they had worked for that moment. And in that moment, you know, I saw – kind of a window into who Pruitt is as a as a man as a coach you know that kind of like you said that father figure and that's why he's so good at recruiting not because he puts on a, a show it's just because of who he is naturally and you can't fake that and you can be a good recruiter and sell a false bill of goods but eventually you know the judge is going to be up we've seen it time and time again Pruitt, he's just being himself, and that's why players want to play for him. They want to, they see him, how he interacts with his players. They see how the players that he coaches now talks about him, and they want to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest part of what you said there is you can't fake that. You just, I mean, you can't. You you can't fake building trust with guys. And we've seen this week with so many coaches getting called out by players. Yeah. At Florida State, yes. Clemson. I mean, there are coaches who aren't genuine when it comes to that. And it, I, I actually saw this this week. I won't, 
I, I, I don't know how th- this was public and it was on, on Twitter. If you saw it and you can seek it out, a former Tennessee baseball player accused the former uh, baseball staff uh, of some, of some racism. Um, so it, it happened here. It did not make a, a big wide splash. Cause it, at, at this point, I mean, those, those coaches aren't around anymore. And also that same player said that his experience from the previous staff to the current staff was night and day and that the current staff is awesome. So he, he actually had very good things to say about uh, Tony Vitello and his guys. Um, and, and, but uh, yeah, you, you just, you saw a lot of that coming out of the woodwork. Like you're saying, you can't fake it. You just can't. It's the nature of, of that sort of thing. Some, some guys are leaders and some guys act like they, they want to be leaders, I guess. Uh, and so it's, it has been in the midst of this rough thing that is happening nationwide, you know, a, a conversation that's really hard to have for everybody on every side. Um, it, it's been very encouraging to see, like I said, the, the examples from the players where, where they got up and they, it would be so easy to, to fly off the handle. I mean, I, I know as, as young young black men around this particular subject, uh, it, it can get so emotional and so heavy. Um, but Trey Smith and those guys got up and just made really uh, measured and had ex- an excellent message. Um, and it's been so impressive to see that. And then with Pruitt, it's, it's really been encouraging in the middle of this really ugly thing. It has genuinely been encouraging to see how it's, it's all been handled around everybody around uh, Tennessee football. Uh, I've, I've liked it a lot. I, it's uh, <laughs> cause it's, it is, man, it's been rough, a rough, rough two, two weeks, uh, around the world, man. Yeah. We need some positivity just with everything, not just the last two weeks, the last two months, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just, it the just keeps building. <laughs> yeah. At some point we have to come out of this, right? We have to be better with everything that's happened between the virus and, and and George Floyd's death and the protests that have ensued, we have to come out better. I mean, I just don't see any other option. If, if, if we don't, then we've wasted a great opportunity to, to progress as a civilization. There are a lot of lessons to be learned here. And uh, I, I, I hope that people, do do learn them and i i'm including my you know myself in that it's as i said it's a it's a tough conversation from everybody on every side to to have and it needs to produce uh in in some way and i'm not going to prescribe what the right solution is there there but just the fact these conversations are happening now yes I mean, look at what the the nfl statement this week i mean who would have thought you'd see that statement from the nfl ever i mean it's it's been a, a really interesting couple of weeks all, all the way around because I I personally I've gotten pretty cynical about situations like this because this is not the first time that this has happened. Let's be completely honest there. And uh, it's not going to end. I mean, if we think that this is no. suddenly going, you know, but if per per se or sorry, it, it, it has happened before. You know, your Ferguson's, Baltimore's. It's we've we've seen it. And just gener- generally speaking, it's caused conversations, but it hasn't affected genuine change. And it seems like with this, it's on another 
level where you have, I mean, you got Paris, London, uh, it's folks in Asia. Uh, I, I saw videos of that. They're, they're protesting. The heat behind this uh, is crazy. And, and I think they're, there's a lot of opinions out there as to what that change should be. And I'll leave it to those people as, as to what they, they think it's going to be and what it might end up being. But I do think that we're going to see uh, some, some actual movement in that way from, from this. And per- personally speaking, uh, I think that that will be a good thing because it has been uh, sometimes you, you just you get a little too comfortable uh, in, in your situation and things, things need to happen. Things need to get shaken up and, and here we are. Um, and, and then on top of all of that, uh, let me just say, screw the coronavirus and let's get that out of here too. Uh, an entirely different conversation that is happening on top of the crazy uh, socio-political madness that's gripping the world right now. Oh yeah, there's a pandemic too. <laughs> yeah, that hasn't went away yet. Deal? <laughs> no, it has not. Um, and I... <sighs> Well, we'll we'll talk about the coronavirus and everything that's, that's happening there soon because there has been uh, developments on on that front this week. Sports are coming back. Ha ha! It's coming week. PGA Tour actual sporting events. Let's go. Um, but let's let's talk first. This was going to be the bulk of our conversation for this episode. We we just wanted to go through for this coming season as a little sort of preseason, uh, getting getting ready for things. Um, that uh, will be here before you know it. We just wanted to talk about the top five most important players for Tennessee in 2020. And we, neither of us have discussed our lists with each other. We're going to rank them one to five. And I, I even have a, uh, an honorable mention. And so let's just go through uh, and, and go from there. Top five most important players for Tennessee this year. Well, should we let's start at five, I guess, and we can work up to one maybe. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right. So your number five, Zach, my, of your top of your most important players for Tennessee. All right. My number five is uh and I had an honorable mention too, and I guess we can go back to that at, at the end. Um, but my number five is wide receiver Josh Palmer. Um with Marquez Callaway and Jawan Jennings off to the NFL. Tennessee's got a lot of talent. They got a lot of young wide receivers, but I think they're, you know, they're going to need a go-to guy and somebody with experience is going to have to step up. And, and, you know, Palmer's a senior. He's got the talent to do it. He's been playing behind Callaway and Jennings. And I think we, you know, we really need to see him step up in 2020 if Tennessee's offense is going to be able to produce at at a decently high level. Absolutely. He, he's going to be huge um, because the, the quarterback situation is all obviously uh, key, but you know, quarterback got to have guys to, to get the ball to. And so I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you with Josh Palmer, although we do diverge. My number five is actually Darrell Middleton. And really he, he's the guy that to me stood out last year and I think could be a really emergent player this coming season on, on the defensive line, but really the defensive line in general, because uh, you, you, uh, you lost Jarrell Taylor to, to the NFL. And there's a lot of question marks on, on that line. Uh, uh, Darrell Taylor, Aubrey Solomon, and past that it's who, who exactly are we looking to? There are plenty of options, but who exactly is going to fill those spots and be effective on that defensive line? Such obviously such an important position. And um, with a new defensive line coach too. 
That's also true. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and and so my that was kind of my first thought is uh, Darrell Middleton, but really, I I think he could be a, a leader on on that unit. But that unit as a whole, to me, is going to be so so important for for this coming year. So to uh, to number four for you, where are you going? Well, I, I actually have Darrell Middleton at number four on, oh, on my go. list. Yeah. <laughs> so for for the same thing, I mean, your defensive line is so important. You have to generate pressure. You have to you have to affect the quarterback. If you can't affect the quarterback, you can't win the line of scrimmage in the SEC. You're just you're not going to win, and that's why he's going to be so important. Like you said, we saw some great moments from him last season. You can't help but think he's going to build on that. You know, going into a senior season, you can only hope, uh, and we will see. But my so my number four, actually, we kind of flip flop there is Josh Palmer. Uh, at, at the wide receiver position. So we've we've talked about that. There's my my number four, Darrell Middleton, Josh Palmer in our four and five spots. Then in number three, who you got? Uh, I went with uh, Henry Toto at number three, uh, linebacker. I think with Daniel Batuli moving on, I mean, this is going to be his defense. And we saw in the first two games of the year last year with Batuli out, how much that affected Tennessee. That's arguably the reason they lost those first two games besides maybe some of Garantano's play, but that's beside the point. Um, you got to have that quarterback to the defense and, you know, Toto is going to be a, a star. He already is turning into a star. We've talked before about how he's just a likable guy. He's going to, he's, he's a fan favorite already, but beyond that, he's just important to that defense. I mean, he's going to be the one making the calls. If something happens to him, it's, it's going to be, Tennessee will be in a tough spot. And my number three, Henry Toto. We, oh. we met up there, and I would I would guess our top two are probably uh, the, the same two, just judging, but we'll we'll get there. I mean, Henry Toto, he's he's the spine of the defense. He's He is uh, going to have the opportunity to be the dude in his sophomore season as, uh, as much of a uh, burden as that might be. I think he's a kid who can really handle it. Uh, we talked about an interview with him a, a few episodes ago, and he, he just seems like kids really got a good head on his shoulders. He's smart, and obviously his, his physicality is incredible. And just to have a really good leader in the middle of the field, it's a huge position, and, and it's going to be unbelievably important this coming year with, with that defensive unit. Uh, and, and so he's you know right there in that top three most important players for, for Tennessee this coming year. So at, at number two, who is it? Let's see if we match up. All right. Well, I have uh, Trey Smith at number two. Um, yep. <laughs> he's he's a team leader, like we said. He's the the leader of the offensive line. He's the best player on the team, probably. Um, I mean, if he's healthy, he's going to be – if he's playing guard, he's still going to be anchoring that offensive line. I mean, you can't – understate his importance just the experience that he brings you've got Morris and or Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright they they'll be sophomores but they're still young um you got Cade Mays coming in if he if his waiver passes he has the experience but he's new to Tennessee Brandon Kennedy's there with his experience that will help at center but it's really Trey Smith's offensive line I mean he's going to be he's the leader of that whole unit I mean he's the one that He's the the face of the offensive line. I don't see many more players and more important than than Trey Smith. Yep, 
I'm right there with you. He's he's my number two. He he's just a really impressive guy from from top to bottom. And we've already talked about him here and <laughs> and kind of gushed over his his uh, at the protest this last weekend. But well beyond that, I mean, his um, at the end of this past season, he made a statement saying, I, I'm going to honor my late mother uh, and my promise to her to come back and get my degree for college. And that's I mean, he, he would have easily been an NFL draft pick this past season. Easily. And he would he would have been one of the top offensive line off the board. Just um, his entire story. Back. Yeah, it, everything about the kid is just impressive and awesome, and and he's lived up to the hype that was put on him in the yes. recruiting process. Really, really, uh, more more than anything, because we we've seen it so much, especially with guys that came in with Butch Jones, where a lot of guys came in with a whole bunch of hype and just did, didn't ever get there. Whether that was their fault or Butch's fault, you know. We'll let you decide. I'm still waiting on Dante. I'm still waiting on Dontavious Blair to be the savior of the offensive line. <laughs> yeah, where's he at, man? <laughs> um, but I, I, well, and we, you know, we haven't even mentioned he, he has uh, the lung defect. Trey, Trey Smith's uh, the the problem with blood clots in his lungs, and he plays through that. And just the kid's so impressive, and and he is an incredible leader. And he's going to be the absolute anchor, not just of that offensive line, because the offensive line is going to be the anchor of the offense. So he's the anchor of the offense in, in general, frankly. Um, and and so he's he's massive. And then I think at, at number one, we probably match up here. The most important player for Tennessee in 2020 for you, Zach. I mean, I think it has to be Garantano. I mean, that you're going to this team is only going to go as far as Garantano will take it and if a quarterback change has to be made maybe it works out for the better but it for the whole season it, it's going to mean that the season's went to a bad place probably probably before you got to that switch so if Garantano plays at a high level like we've been expecting him to all these years it'll mean good things for Tennessee if he doesn't and they have to switch quarterbacks it's it's just bad for Tennessee. This team is going to sink or swim with Jarek Arantano. That's it. I, I I think you you have other really nice pieces like like Trey Smith, Henry Toto, Josh Palmer, Eric Gray, all all these guys. But at the end of the day, you got to score points, and it can just be make or break with the quarterback. And it really was at a at a lot last year. The the defense in so many situations would hold its own. And then the offense would just get kicked in the teeth. And so JG has to step up. We've, we've talked to length about it is, has his ceiling been reached? Can he get better? What can Chaney kind of pull out it out of his hat? Where, where are we in, in the progression of, of JG or just this quarterback spot in general? Maybe it does become Harrison Bailey. I agree with you. If, if that ends up being the case, I think things have gone downhill already during the season. Um, if they have to resort to another quarterback like that. Um, but it's, it's the linchpin. The linchpin of the team is can, can the quarterback perform and, and get the ball where it needs to go in the right situations and, and score points for this team. And there's reason for hope. I mean, it's his second year in this offense. It's the first time he's been in an offense in back-to-back years. You know, there's reasons to think that, hey, maybe maybe he turns it around completely and takes a huge leap forward in 2020 and maybe he doesn't I don't know you know that that that's the question like you said that, that nobody knows the answer to 
but I do think there's reason for optimism there, especially some of the work that he's been putting in this offseason. You can tell he's really dedicated to getting better and the fact that he's been working out with Harrison Bailey, who he knows is a threat to his job, maybe not as much now because of spring practice being canceled, but he's still a threat. Uh, the the moment that Garantano throws the first interception, every fan on social media is going to be asking where Harrison Bailey is. And Garantano knows that that's coming. But he's still been, you know, side by side with him, putting the work in. You can tell that, you know, he cares about Tennessee. He wants to be good. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I'm not not totally sure why Jared has stuck around as long as he has with the beating that he's taken physically and mentally, <laughs> I would say. I mean, he just has got he's a tough dude. Tennessee's quarterback, but he has stuck it out. He's he, tough. He, I mean, he clearly cares a lot and wants to see uh, good things for Tennessee and wants wants to be the guy that brings the good things for for Tennessee. I hope he turns the corner so, so, so badly. Because, uh, I mean, as I said, if he turns the corner, Tennessee turns the corner, period. And and so... Uh, It'd be a great story. Imagine if Garantano leads them to a 10-win season or something, you know, really unexpected in his redshirt senior season after all the adversity he's been through. I mean, it'd be interesting if that were to happen, how he would be viewed five years down the road by the fan base. I, I think it would be a really excellent payoff, not just for him. Obviously, it would be a great story for him with the the beating that he's taken. But for all of those guys that were the last vestige of Butch, who just had what was, in my opinion, an awful coach, and they just they stepped into a situation that they didn't really know was going to be the way that it ended up being, and they've had to go through hell and back there. You yeah. know, they're they're Andy Dufresne crawling through a a, a pipe of uh, of doo doo. Um, I think when and they need to come out on the other side, I, I want to see good things for him so badly. I imagine a, a lot of those players that you're talking about, when you ask them what's their lowest moment in organized football, will point to 2017. Um, How could it not be? Maybe halftime of the LSU game might be their lowest moment. I think that right there was rock bottom. That torrential downpour. And that, uh yeah, it sucked for it sucked to cover that team. I can, I can tell you that much too, because it was it was not pleasant having those games happen and then going back. Or that UMass them. that UMass game, even though they uh, won that game, that was the soul like sucking game. Yeah, yeah, that game just sucked your soul right out. And and I just I want good things for these guys because it's it's clear that even even if they aren't the most talented group on on planet Earth, they're they're a special set of guys. Um, and, and they're, I mean, you, you gotta be, if, if you're Jared and you stuck around this long. And so, yeah, if Tennessee turns this foot out, if Tennessee turns this around, if Jeremy Pruitt really is able to lead them to some special things, you really have to point to this group uh, and give them a lot of credit because they bought in to Pruitt when they didn't have to, especially after the way last season started, they bought in. They're the reason the culture has changed. They're the reason that you're seeing things like you saw on Friday night at, at the protest, the, the team, it's a strong team, you know, they're, they're together and down the road, if this pays off, they're going to be a big reason why the program's had success. They will be. Uh, and I guess we, well, we can't throw in uh, on the end here. Our, our honorable mentions for me, it, it was uh, Eric Gray. Cause he, the dude's going to be a killer. 
uh, and then Elante Taylor at uh, defensive back. It just kind of go- goes along with the theme of Henry Toto and Daryl Middleton. The the defensive backs have to be have to be good, have to be better uh, than they were last year. And I think it. I don't know if Elante Taylor Taylor will be the dude, but he's going to be one of the dudes uh, in that unit. And so he's he's important uh, when I look at that that defensive unit. Yeah, I had Eric Gray just outside the top six. And if it wasn't for the presence of Ty Chandler, I probably would have put him in there maybe over Josh Palmer. Yeah, there are other be- options still. Yeah. But and just because you really you need that game breaker. You need somebody that is a threat to score every time they touch the ball. Like you just you need that just for your offense to kind of have that spark and that hope, like, hey, you know, we're down by two scores, but if Eric Gray breaks one, you know, we're right back in this game. And I think he provides that for the offense. He's he's dynamic. We saw that at the end of last year. And, I mean, those players have killed Tennessee for years. I mean, Florida has them every year, it seems like. I think Gray can finally be that guy for Tennessee that just is extremely frustrating for opponents. Man, I hope so. I so, so, so hope so. I hope if JG turns the corner – and Eric Gray takes on a kind of Al, takes an Alvin Kamara type turn, and I we know he's super speedy and and hits holes really hard. But hey, he's charismatic uh, too. He's got a good he personality. Is. He's fun. Yeah, uh, the, there was a video this week of him hitting what was it, nineteen miles an hour on a treadmill oh, or something. That was unreal. Like that. Yeah, Woo. he's fast. That boy is fast. Um, and and so I th- th- there's a lot of guys that if they can really continue to progress and be better, things could really gel this coming season. Maybe a surprise could come. Um, I There's too many unproven pieces for me to say anything super definitively. Um, but if if the progress happens and guys take steps forward, it's, it could be, could be a fun season for, for Tennessee this year. Um, and let's, let's do before, before we wrap this up with the, uh, coronavirus how many people will be in the stadium kind of talk let's have the tough the really tough uh discussion um i think it might be time to fire coach dougs this is a sad it, it wasn't just a a bad performance in the national championship game they they ended up what was the final score 40 49 40, to 29 uh, just embarrassment something. yeah Embarrassment on the national stage. It's just unacceptable. Yeah, he had a lifetime contract on the table before the game. Brett McMurphy, Brett McMurphy uh, reported. I think that I think he reported. Now it's off the table. That, that Tennessee's pulled that offer. Yeah, you can't you can't show up and be embarrassed like that in the national championship game in, in a game that you should win. And I think if nothing else, we learned from the Butch Jones era is don't wait too long to make the move. You have to you have to be proactive. Don't be reactive. Be proactive. And I think uh, t- Tennessee is there. They're on the doorstep. But uh, who who can take them to to that top level, Did you to the see, glory? Maybe they should go steal Virginia Tech's coach, who happens to be Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I did see that. Um, maybe. Maybe it's Jeff's time. Uh, he's, he spent many years with the Titans in Tennessee, so he's familiar with the area. Maybe he could come in. Is there a more random coach for Virginia Tech to have (laughs) in this situation? It was when when I saw that. I haven't followed it as closely uh, as a lot of people. And they did a fake Sports Illustrated cover with Jeff Fisher on the front without pants on. And it made me 
like for real laugh out loud uh it yeah super random hilarious just jeff fisher as a figure is pretty funny around these parts um the 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 eight and eight of football coaches um i get the eight and eight season of football coaches jeff fisher um but hey maybe maybe he's the guy we go and we steal the team's coach uh or the coach from the team that beat us in the national championship it just this uh this frankly this uh i guess it would be 13 and one mediocrity it's just not going to cut it it's just not this is tennessee we're it's too proud of a tradition to put up with this kind of nonsense to be embarrassed on a national stage and doug's i think it might be time to talk about a buyout see where we're at but uh yeah much less a lifetime contract give me a break hopefully we have better lawyers than that (laughs) apparently not because uh tennessee's still playing paying butch jones who is not trying to get a job at all (laughs) yeah uh in real in real talk going back to reality tennessee does not have lawyers that are better than that uh, unfortunately but let's let's just in in things off with a little bit of talk about the latest developments with Tennessee playing football in Neyland Stadium this coming year. We're pretty sure, pretty much certain that it's going to happen. I think that's obvious. Players went back uh, to campus this week, which was exciting. Um, and they had temperature checks. They got coronavirus tests. They got the 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 swab of the nose, and they got the antibody test, I believe. I haven't seen any public information about the results of those. I don't know if they happened yet, but that's what... I don't know. I haven't seen any reports of any positive tests yet so maybe i guess we don't know whether those things have happened yet maybe they have and they haven't released information about it or maybe they just haven't happened yet but that was in the policy i know of what tennessee was going to do when they released information about it It was going to be antibody and the swab up the nose to see if you're currently uh, sick with the virus and i would see all throughout the sec guys guys have it Um, yeah that's what i was gonna say the alabama alabama auburn uh, I saw had had some positives, like some guys at Oklahoma State um, were positive too. Just kind of ironic after Mike Gundy's comments earlier <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. off season. It, it, it's, I think we we had mentioned on podcasts in the past that by the time that these kind of conversations happened, we would feel differently uh, about this virus, and I think we were pretty much spot on because it is it is not something that ground all of those operations to a halt. It didn't, you know, the kids didn't have to go back home. Uh oh, two guys are positive. Just head head back to the house. No, you you isolate those guys. You continue to monitor the situation, and then you just you go from there. Um, and I mean, I haven't heard anything about even the guys that are positive having any sort of serious medical any anything like that, even close well, to it. I'm guessing um, they didn't even know that they had or they didn't yeah. have symptoms because if you had symptoms i'm sure that you they would have told you not to come back to campus yet exactly and i know with the uh there was at least more detail with the guys from oklahoma state and i i want to say is it four of the five were asymptomatic or something something like that um and so yeah i would guess almost certainly that was the case they didn't know it hey here you go you do have it it's a surprise and then it's just, you know, it's going to work itself out and it'll be good. They'll be good to go in a couple weeks. Um, but it is it's interesting to finally see that come to pass because we had talked about it so much. Uh, and now it is it is exactly what I was hoping it would be. The tests do what they're supposed to do. They catch the guys with the virus. You can isolate them, get them out of the situation and just continue to monitor the players that you have. Be as safe as you can, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and we'll and we'll go from there. You know, back in 
I was doing some reading up on stuff, and and back in two thousand nine, when the swine flu epidemic, the H one N one, or was it a pandemic? I can't remember. Um, when it was going around, it hit some college football teams pretty hard, and you know that was a that was a virus that affected younger people, college age athletes, it did. worse it, it than any other age people. group. Yeah, and that was the scary thing about that. There was a lot of canceled practices, a lot of isolating of players. Uh, it wasn't as widespread because that you know obviously this coronavirus is way different than than H one N one. I'm not trying to compare the two, but as far as affecting and athletes and and outbreaks that you have to contain so it doesn't spread to a whole team, they they already kind of had those plans in place on how to isolate players. So I, I figure they're probably following that roadmap, uh, keeping players in, in certain groups and keeping them away from everybody like they already know how they're going to approach that i believe the the protocol was just seven days away from the team i'd have to go back and look at the exact policies that tennessee uh put put out there but i think it was maybe minimum of seven days something like that and then they reevaluate i'm not sure exactly do they have any i haven't noticed as far as with the players coming back on campus any regulations on where they can go and when and how, as far as that, coming and going, I, I I would guess that is probably kind of internal information. Let me let me find exactly where some of those policies were. I saw my my friend over at the Swain event, Ben McKee, tweeted about it, and uh, 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 where because oh I know like LSU is kind of keeping players in certain groups is what I heard a report of and and they're only supposed to stay with those players kind of at all times. They're not supposed to venture outside of those groups until a later date. Uh, several personal hygiene strategies have been shown effective in reducing COVID-19. Will student athletes be tested? They will be nasal swab PCR test and an antibody blood test. Will there be daily health screens? Yes. For each student athlete, they'll complete a questionnaire uh, and get their temperature taken. That's actually what I do for my own job. Um, and what, oh, here it is. Here it is. Finally. Yeah. What happens if a student athlete is ill and tests positive? Any student athlete who presents with signs, symptoms of COVID will be evaluated by the on-team physician and testing will be immediately performed. If test is positive, the student athlete will be isolated and treated as outlined by the CDC guidelines. So it doesn't just say seven days, something like that. Um, mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, this doesn't, that was their full statement and it doesn't have specific, they they can only go here, they can only do that. Um, but this will, ho- hopefully it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't turn out like the swine flu. I believe swine flu infected a billion people worldwide, um, which is, it's crazy to think about. I mean, just the United States, it's what, 2 million people so far. So it would have to be another... 998 million <laughs> to reach the same level. Now that was a billion worldwide for the swine flu, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, well. But that's you know an an eighth of the entire world population, an eighth or a seventh. I, I hesitate to even mention it because usually if you, if you say the word flu and coronavirus in the same sentence, the people, oh, people just come out of the woodwork to yeah attack it's you. Not the flu. We know it's we know it's not the yes, flu. I'm not saying that. <laughs> we know it's not. Go back and listen to our other podcasts. We're very serious about it. But it will, I mean, we, we were talking about this before the show came on. Um, a, a whole other interesting factor of these protests is that they are happening in the middle of a pandemic. 
Um, and there's going to be some some amount of a, I guess you would call it an experiment of sorts uh, of do these mass gatherings cause huge outbreaks uh, of the coronavirus? And what does that mean for mass gatherings? Obviously, we're, we here would relate it to sports. So per, per se that these gatherings of tens of thousands of people in pretty close proximity yelling uh, and and just being around each other for hours at a time. Does that result in in big sets of infection? Um, and will that actually weigh into sports having big crowds? Um, because we saw this week, Texas announced that 50% crowds can come back for sports, but hasn't really been shown in practice of any, you know, no league has given that to go to where, oh, we're going to have 50% sports back. But potentially, you know, you're... As of right now, what the the Rangers, the Rockets, the Astros could all have fifty percent back if they came back in that way. The NBA is going to be at a offsite location, but per se, ML, MLB comes back the same way. You could have the Astros and and the Rangers have a fifty percent crowd. I wonder uh, though how so. ML how MLB would handle that though, because if the Astros and Rangers can do that, that's revenue they're making that other teams aren't. I wonder how that how that would yeah. the business side of that gives them a, uh, a monetary advantage to be sure. And I, I would guess if sports came back in that way, you would have places like Tennessee and Georgia and Florida hop right on board with Texas and say, ah, we're going to do that too. But then you'd have, you know, a lot of other, your, your New York's and your California's that are probably going to err on the major side of caution and not do that. So uh, yeah, that's, I, I would bet that they just have a league wide policy to say, we're not, you know, we're not doing that, or we are doing that. One, you know, better, one yeah, but, better. Maybe some sort of revenue sharing. I don't know how that would yeah, work. Yeah, have to be. There would definitely be a conversation kind of because MLB cannot do anything on the same page at this point. Yeah. And and honestly, I was hoping that some of those sports would come back. So before, so that before college football comes back, we'd have some kind of benchmark to judge things off of. And now it looks like it's really not gonna. I, w- uh, I wish NBA was coming back a little sooner than July 31st. That's that's a long time to wait. Would be nice, wouldn't it? But that's the way that it is. And there, I with that whole situation, the thing that I thought was the funniest with the NBA. So they're they're going to be at one facility at Walt Disney World in Orlando, right? Um, yeah. And they said the policy is that the players and the players' families cannot go to Disney while they're there so it would be like hey hey dad the nba player we're going to disney world and dad goes yeah we are and you can't go you cannot leave the hotel room you can't do anything like that even though you'll see it out your window uh you're not going to the happiest place on earth so (laughs) that's gotta suck yeah good luck with that and and, you know if you're uh lebron james kids or somebody i know wait was sneaking in there well, and, and you got to think, I mean, how, how many of those dudes, cause obviously they got to bring staff too. So you, I mean, it's going to be a massive amount oh, yeah. of guys. So well, they could the probably staff, sneak in, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I would say with almost certainty that there will be shenanigans like that, that, uh, you know, this assistant coach's family went to Disney world and meh, meh, meh. I don't know if it'll actually be a controversy, but I would guess that it happens shortly. Uh, it seems that just seems moronic. You're going to show up there at like the coolest amusement park in America and be there for weeks potentially and just say, no, your kids can't go. Sorry. <laughs> That's you can't do that. 
But that's yeah, that's the way they did it. That's their policy. So it'll be fun once it comes back. But yeah, that, July thirty first. That's just that's so they drag their feet. So so long, and really, it wasn't. When you really look at it, it just seems like it wasn't needed at all. It just wasn't necessary. They could be playing right now. They could they could oh, already yeah. had be be knocking it out. And the, the NHL will be back a little bit sooner than both of those leagues. They do not have an exact date yet, but I think they're kind of what phase two of their. Yeah. They, they announced uh, the opening of team facilities this week and they're, it's got some kind of strange stuff where only six players at a time can practice with one another. They're, they're testing like almost every day. Like is they're being real, real careful. I don't know if that has to do some with, uh, with a lot of those teams being in Canada, I mean, almost half the leagues in Canada. So, and they have different rules and it's just kind of going to be a, a whole other set of stuff when it comes to the NHL. But, um, either way, sports are coming back. The PGA tour is coming back this week, four days from now. Let's go. So excited. Yeah. That might be the most fun of, of everything that's been oh, back man, so I'm far. Hyped. Yeah. Yeah. And you got uh, J- Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are playing together in a group, and like uh, it, it's they they got some pretty good pairings coming up on on the first day, and I'm I am excited. I want I no offense to the sports that have come back so far, but I am not a fan of any of those. Yeah, like it didn't take me long fan. to remember that I can just not really get into watching a NASCAR race. I, yeah, Na- NASCAR, I, even I, when it's the only thing on. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm entertained by UFC. Uh, if if I yeah. sit down and watch it, but I don't know I don't know the lore. I'm not like a a huge like listen to Joe Rogan's podcast about MMA. And yeah, like I skip, know all I skip the, the M- that's going on. Yeah, I, I skip the Joe Rogan MMA shows. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- those every are the ones time I don't listen to. Um, but it's like I watched it last night. We we went to a, a restaurant that it was on at, and so. Um, but golf, I know plenty about, and I am hyped to see it come back. But that's, uh, for, for the most part, I think that's the bulk of that conversation. Was there anything else in another interesting uh, and odd week uh, living in this strange world right now? Anything else you wanted to discuss, Zach? Uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention Johnny Majors and just that. Oh, yeah, that was week. days ago. I, mean, I know Man, it does feel day, like Every day feels like a year. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, John, yes, I'm. I'm so glad that you said that. We sh- we should have mentioned it at, at the the first part of the show. I'm. I wow. I can't believe that we we almost went uh, with without. Well, but that's it, just how um, much has been packed into a week. Exactly. I mean, it just uh, the the world is kind of going absolutely insane in in front of our faces, and it's been the the thousandth thing that that happened this week. 2020 has been brutal uh, in so many different ways, and. It just added right on top of it. One of the the greatest ever walked the sidelines of Tennessee. Johnny Majors passed away uh, about a, a week ago, as at the beginning of this past week. Um, and it is sad to see it go. I I I personally I got to meet Johnny, um, and he was a really interesting, really nice guy. But I did not. I he left Tennessee the year that I came into this world, um, and so or I guess he was, he was fired, um, and so. I did not really see much of him as a Tennessee coach, although I know, obviously, I I know the lore. But uh, Phil Phil Fulmer was uh, was the guy that I was brought up on, 
and and so as I said, met met Johnny. He was an incredible individual. Obviously, won three SEC championships, won a national championship at Pittsburgh, uh, and and put together some of the best teams Tennessee's ever had. The, the Sugar Balls in the eighties, and uh, he left a pretty incredible legacy here. A Tennessee guy through and through. A great Tennessee football player back in his day. Um, and yes, uh, rest in peace and thoughts thoughts to his family. Uh, just another another sad loss and an incredibly brutal year. Did uh, did you happen to see Jeremy Pruitt's story about Johnny the first time he met Johnny Majors? I don't think so. How did I miss that? Oh, it's, yeah, it's a great story. He said uh, he said Johnny Majors came into his office and then sat down and talked with him for about an hour. And before he uh, before he got up to leave, told him to lean lean close to him, and and they leaned in, and Majors told Pruitt to lean closer. He said they Pruitt. When he was recalling the story, he said we were just kind of sitting there awkwardly, and he's like, I, "I was wondering what we were doing and hoping nobody walked in the office." He said, "Majors just kind of sat back then." He said, "I just need to look into your eyes," and he said, "We're going to be all right." Huh? You know, and I was like, "That's a that's a pretty awesome story." You know, that's a really that cool Pruitt story. had, yeah. That's and the cool. fact that Majors just felt something with Pruitt, and you know, if anybody knows what Tennessee needs, yeah, it's Johnny Majors. Well, dang. I, I really, I love that. That's, that is a very cool story. And I, I don't know how I missed that. Wow. Um, well, that's, uh, as, as sad as it may be, the legacy that, that Johnny leaves behind is a, is a great one that we can be thankful for. Um, and, and RIP to, to Mr. Majors and sorry that we missed it to the very, very end of the show. I feel, <laughs> I feel bad now, but it's like you said, there's 10,000 other things that happened in the last four days. Uh, 10,000 10, other things. And there's just nothing, there's nothing to distract. That's the roughest part. There's nothing to distract from the brutality of the world right now. It's yeah. Just, it's all you see day in and yeah, day out. I don't, I don't have nonsense to, you know, I have like YouTube videos that I can go home and watch, but it's, you know, my normal routine was just coming home watching when all of this went down, it was watching predators game, watching a college basketball game. You know, any anything like that and just having a nice respite from the crazy news of the day. And now your respite is, I guess I'll get on Twitter and look at the dumpster fire going on over there. <laughs> Something, you know. Yeah, never a good idea usually. No. Oh, God. Well, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We, we may come back this next week. Uh, Coach Duggs might be fired. Who knows where we'll be with sports. Uh, the, the first, when we do this next week, the first PGA tour event will have happened, which is going to be so awesome. But uh, otherwise I think that is it for this week. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT on Twitter at a to Z sports and facebook.com slash a to Z sports, a to Z sports, Nashville.com for all the stuff that Zach writes. And as we said, um, new podcast feed. We're still posting it on the original podcast feed, but we're going to post it on this new one too. When we're moving over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, uh, that's the correct name for it. So go to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to that. You won't miss a thing with the entire bevy of shows uh, that we have going on at this awesome site. Otherwise, that is it. We thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. See you guys later.